Psycho Steve presents. Hey guys and girls, this is Psycho Steve. You're listening to my podcast called Hair Today, Gone Tomorrow. Today, we're very fortunate and blessed to have Mr. Joey Casada, drummer, percussionist extraordinaire. Good day, fine sir. How are you? What's up, buddy? How are you? I'm sitting on a rainbow. How's it going with you? <laughs> Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for taking the time. I know you're quite busy with like all the projects. Everybody tells me your parts are making because you're in like seven different bands and seven different projects and I'm like I can't even keep up I'm just like I knew he was in that I knew he was in that and I knew he was in that but I didn't know he was in that you know so which one didn't you know I was in that's a good question well that's a good question so let's go on the, let's go on the list and tell everybody that's getting everybody caught up because I've you known you since I'm dating myself uh, since the ZO2 days because you right. are you know uh, you have one of the greatest accomplishments that no other band has ever done in my opinion I think it's one of the greatest accomplishments of being a unsigned band to tour with the international band KISS and doing direct support for that matter you know, that's a, a pretty awesome feat to do, especially, you know. It was, it was a pretty wild time. It was, uh, it was mind-boggling. I mean, Kiss is our heroes, so right. my, my, Paulie, Dave, those guys that are in DO2, we all grew up with Kiss. Kiss is all of our favorite bands, so to get that tour, we were only a band for less than a year. We had just finished our, our first album independently. Right. And, you know, we were playing locally, we were doing some residencies over in New York City, and, you know, we, we were obviously aspiring to be the next big thing, of course, but, you know, you have to wait for that to come to you and, and go out and get it. So, we were playing locally, we were just finishing our up, up our uh, initial CD called Tuesdays and Thursdays, and this is, this is early 2004. Right. So... Our manager, manager at the time had a contact with Paul Stanley, and I'm not sure if you know, but I, the, what happened was Brides of Destruction, which was Nikki Six's band back then. Yeah, with Tracy Guns. Right, was rumored to be on that tour with Kiss and Poison. Right. So something, something happened fairly last minute, early on 2004. The tour started, you know, summer of 2004. So somewhere around January, February of 2004, something happened with Brides of Destruction. I don't know all the details. There's rumors, you know, a million rumors going around. And, you know, I don't even want to get into them because I don't know for sure what happened. But sure enough, Brides of Destruction didn't do the tour. So like I said, our manager at the time had gotten our CD to Paul Stanley and... Paul loved the CD, went crazy over it, thought it was, you know, fresh and new and exciting. And we got a call and said, you know, we were actually hoping hoping maybe we can get one show with Kiss. It would be amazing to jumpstart our careers. And we got the call to do the whole summer with them. It was insane. Right. It was for the Rock of the Nations tour, if I can remember correctly, right? Right. Rock, Rock of the Nations tour, right. It was the first tour with Tommy and Eric right. um, together in that lineup, right? Cool. All right, so the quick question yeah, it was, is... It was, it was wild. All right, let's get to, as far as in questions about you. Uh, you besides drums and percussion, do you play any other instrument? 
I play a little bit of guitar. Um, I don't know if you know anything else about the ZO2 guys, but we were we're also kid musicians. Right. So and being kid musicians, we would play kids' birthday parties and sing alongs and and whatnot. And that actually led to our TV series called Z Rock. But through the kid musicians, you know, I started playing guitar a little bit. I play, you know, just some basic chords and sing along songs, you know, stuff like stuff easy easy uh Kid song, so I do play a little bit of guitar. Yes, don't get that and mixed up with first, kiss stuff, kids stuff. <laughs> exactly, kids with a D, right. not two S's with a D S. Right. <laughs> so yeah, so from the, from there, playing these, these kid birthday parties and stuff, we actually got our own TV show. Um, we were actually playing a birthday party, and a big agent was at this birthday party, and he's like, "What are you guys doing playing this kid birthday party? You guys look like a rock band." And we're like, yeah, well, we are a rock band. We're actually playing BB Kings in Times Square tonight. Why don't you come down and check us out? He's like, uh, yeah, that sounds actually great. So he wind up coming down. Again, we were hoping for maybe getting into this concert division of this agency. And it turned out this guy was part of the TV department. So we started talking to him. And he's like, you guys have like this Clark Kent Superman, you know, daytime kids musicians, nighttime crazy rock musicians. Maybe we should do something together. We were like, yeah, sure, let's, you know, let's try to do something. So, you know, we came up with this little quick idea. We filmed a, a quick sizzle reel, started pitching it to network, and we got, we got a lot of bites, and we wind up signing with IFC. Had two great seasons with uh, amazing guest stars, Joan Rivers and Dee Snyder and Dave Navarro and Daryl Hall. Wow. And it was just a wild, wild time, yeah. Very cool. So anyone in your family musicians? Like, my grandfather played drums. I remember playing drums when I was little, but no one else really so much as uh, as a musician. I, I first picked up the drums again back to Kiss. Everything leads back to Kiss. Right. I went to see Kiss at Madison Square Garden in 1979 on the Dynasty tour. Right on. I was I was five years old. My brother was older than me. He wanted to go to the show. I knew nothing about Kiss. If anything, I might have been a little scared of Kiss. I remember being. I remember seeing uh, commercials for Phantom of, the, Phantom of the Park, and I think I was a little scared of them at the time. <laughs> went to see Kiss. Went to see Kiss at Madison Square Garden. Was blown away. Peter's drum kit rose and did the uh, did his drum solo, and I was hooked. I had I had to ask for drums that Christmas, and the rest is uh, history, as they say. Right on. Okay, I saw him the following year. I saw him with Eric Carr's first performance at the Palladium. That was my first. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that was my first show. So, okay, so we go to ZO2. You guys had this with the new album that you guys came out with and the tour. After that, you guys came out with a couple more albums and did a couple more stints with anybody else besides Kiss and Kiss. Yeah, I mean, we played with... Everyone under the sun that was, you know, these, these big uh, rock bands, you know, mainly from the 80s and stuff, because that was, I mean, it was our genre of music. And, you know, music at that time, touring music wasn't as big as it, as it used to be and really as it is now. So, you know, all those 80s acts were really just coming back into their own at that point. Right. You know, Twisted Sister and Motley Crue and, you know, Van Halen got back together. So all these big arena acts started to reform and do these big tours so we would jump on a couple of those we did some some big shows with Scorpions and Sammy Hagar and Twisted Sister and Striper and you know everyone under the sun from back then we've played with and did mini tours with you know throughout the country sweet 
Yeah, okay. it was a great time. Okay. So now let's fast forward to present day. As far as in what you are doing now, I know you were playing drums in uh, Jim Brewer's band. Is that correct? Right, so I, that is correct. I do a residency with Jim Brewer out in uh, Huntington at the Paramount every month. Right. Um, every show is selling out. It's crazy. Uh, I play with the guys from Trickster, PJ and Steve-O from Trickster. Right on. And they're the other members of the band, and we back up Jim Brewer. Jim Brewer does his comedy act. It's like a three-step routine. He does his comedy act. He does like a little skit routine, and then he brings us out to basically blow up the stage for a couple songs, and he does some parodies. He does some real songs. He does some Metallica. We do some Priest. We do, you know, anything under the sun that he, that he loved to do growing up and, you know, all his big bands. And then we'll do some parodies, some of his classic stuff, and... It's, it's been a wild time and the shows are selling out I mean I think it's uh, I think if anyone's interested you can definitely get tickets at the paramount.com for August September October November all the way throughout the next year wow he's like Billy Joel of comedy selling out the Paramount <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you know, he didn't even know what, what he was, you know, going to do exactly. If he was going to sell well, if he was going to do one show, two shows, and they just started selling out immediately. So we just kept adding shows, adding shows, adding shows. It's been it's been so much fun. Sweet. And then with those same guys, with PJ and Steve-O, I also play with Eric Martin uh, from Mr. Big. Sweet. So we've been, we've been doing shows with Eric for a while now. we got a lot of shows coming up, at, you know, to end of the summer, doing some festivals, doing some uh, some fun stuff with that. Those, those Mr. Big songs are, are great, great songs to play and to perform. It's been, a, it's been a blast. Absolutely. I actually interviewed Eric many years ago when he had the Eric Martin band, when his wife was playing, Denise was playing drums for him. This was going back oh, years ago. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. yeah, so he came out with that Going uh, Sane album, and he did a really great cover of The Cars, uh, Just What I Needed. Um, He's so great. I mean, all his, I mean, everyone knows the Mr. Big stuff, but all his solo stuff is so good, too. His voice is... Just, and he's one of those guys that his voice is still phenomenal after all these years. A lot of guys, you know, I won't mention any names, but a lot of the guys have lost it over the years. And, and yeah. to their credit, you know, they're, you know, they're older guys, and some of these, you know, throughout the years, they lost their voice. But Eric, you know, Eric's still young, still in shape, and, and still killing it. Yeah, he also takes care of his instrument. Like, And that leads to my next question. You know, I know you gig out a lot, but do you have, like, a certain ritual? Do you practice daily or once every day, every other day? It's funny. Most of the time, practice for me is learning material. So, I, I, I like I, like you were saying when we when we first started the interview, right. I'm playing with so many bands and so many acts and so many different um, orchestras and, and bands right now that I'm always constantly learning new material. So, any brief second that I get, I have my headphones in. I'm learning new material, learning new material, learning new material. So, practice for me most of the time is going over that material that I just learned throughout the day. So I'm always on the run doing things, meetings and stuff like that. So I have my headphones in, I'm learning music and you know, I get home that night, go into my drum room and I pretty much go over everything that my brain has absorbed from that day. <laughs> so wow. it's not so much that I that I practice, you know, my rudiments and all this other stuff still which I do still, which I, I try to incorporate more into my music than I do sit and practice. But I'm so, I'm always learning new material, so that really keeps me busy. Cool. 
All right. Now, the big question then you brought up Kiss. I am assuming you would be either, are you an Eric Singer, Eric Carr, or Peter Chris? Like, who would you say you're out of those three? Um, I mean, listen, they're, they're, all, they're all great drummers in their own right. I right. Mean, Peter, had, Peter has such a unique style that for Kiss at the time, he was incredible. I mean, if you listen to that a live album or even earlier than that, some of those you know, bootlegs on YouTube, the, some of the live stuff, Peter was an absolute monster of the way he played. And he had a style that was completely unique of his own. He wasn't... You know, people want to say, oh, he was like a big band, jazzy type drummer. No, he wasn't. And people want to say, oh, he's just rock and roll. He wasn't. He was really this mixture of everything. He had this rock style, but with this swing that he would play everything with this jazzy swing, but he would keep like the street eight notes on his hi-hat. It was such a unique, unique thing to Peter that any drummers out there, you know, if you try to replicate Peter's songs, they're hard to play because same thing with like Ringo. Ringo's very hard to replicate because he's got this such this unique style and this swing and, and this, this all these little ghost notes and cool little things that he wrote and he's a great drummer and he's so hard to replicate Peter's the same way as far as my favorite kiss drummer Eric Carr is my favorite kiss drummer just gotcha. because growing up Eric is really what even though I saw Peter in 1979 and he's what made me want to play the drums he was shortly gone right after that so Right after that is when, you know, The Elder and then Creatures of the Night came out. So once Creatures of the Night came out, that became basically my holy Bible. I worship that album. That album is is Eric's, you know, shining moment. The drums on that album are monstrous. I mean, the sounds that that he got on that album, and not only for the drum sounds, everyone talks about the actual drum itself, those sounds, but if you listen to, like, the cymbal sounds and the hi-hat sounds and and the stuff that they're doing just in the ambience of the room, it's such a perfect drum record and, and that's I mean that's what really got me hooked on the drums even though Peter got me into them originally yeah. but Creatures of the Night and then you know then the Animalized Live Uncensored uh, VHS tape came out <laughs> I wore that thing I wore that thing out you know I must have bought three or four copies because it used to start warping on me because I would, I would watch it and, and memorize everything about that tape right on I got so that and I got at, uh, Kiss Exposed at the same time I remember oh sure of course I mean once you put Exposed came out and like that was like the first time that I saw makeup stuff on video like at home on my TV that I could sit and watch in makeup I was blown away so right. yeah those two videotapes made me cut school many many days to just watch them right on alright uh, so, so yeah so to answer your question Eric Carr is definitely my favorite drummer of the three gotcha now do you have a favorite drummer in general Again it's, again, it's so hard to say. Eric, still Eric Carr, probably is my favorite drummer of all time. Um, obviously, throughout the years as I've grown up, you know, the bottoms of the world and all these other guys have really influenced me, too. I mean, another big influence of mine is Robert Sweet of Striper. He's awesome. such an underrated drummer. I know everyone says, oh, Striper, what are you talking about, Robert Sweet of Striper? Who's that? Or Striper's this, Striper that. First of all, Striper is an incredible band, number one. And number two, Robert's drumming is, again, such a unique style. I like unique styles. I don't love the cookie-cutter rock drummer. I hear you. Um, 
even though that some of these cookie cutter rock drummers are the best drummers in the world, but but just because you can play everyone else's stuff doesn't mean to me that you're the best drummer in the world. I like guys that take other guys' stuff or write their own stuff and make it exciting and new and fresh. And that's exactly what a guy like Robert Sweet did. His drumming on you know Soldiers on the Commander is just that whole record is unbelievable. Absolutely, and their last album that they just came out with is nothing like they ever done before. I don't know if you've heard any of the tracks on it. Yeah, I actually just started listening to it. I'm just starting to get into it, yeah. Yeah, I was fortunate. I got to interview uh, Michael, and I got to interview Perry, and I went to see them at the Gramercy, and it's he's like the visual timekeeper. That's what they call him. And I, I'm not a drummer myself, but I have a cousin that's a drummer. I have other friends besides yourself that are drummers, and I, I just got mesmerized because... It, it, you know, look, any instrument you play, it does definitely take a skill, but you know, right. you have to keep time, no pun intended, <laughs> on, but it's right. difficult because you have to learn certain tracks because, you know, you can improvise something on a guitar and still keep it sounding like similar to the same song that you recorded, but the drums, you have to keep it because there's people out there that are going to be like, wait a minute, they did something different. You know, I do that. I diagnose that. I or dissect them. When I go, when I used to go to the Kiss tribute bands all the time, you know, right. people are like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm listening," and they're like, "Aren't you just enjoying the show?" I'm like, "Yeah, but you know, the the Gene guy did an E chord instead of a D or whatever," and they're like, right, right, "Really? Right. Can't you just sit back and enjoy the show?" I'm like, "Yeah, I am, but you know, if you're gonna no, be a tribute." I was a train guy. I was a, you know, a walking guy. I even had like a 
then. Right. Just never had any use for a car, so I never got into that whole car scene. You know what I mean? So I was never a big car enthusiast. So you, uh, what, what, what do you drive? I drive a 1995 Toyota Camry station wagon. I bought for a dollar. <laughs> I, I don't need anything. I, it's to me, it's transportation. Even though I am a car enthusiast, it's just at the time I'm just like, you know what? I need something to just get me to the train to, to pick up my sons and you know just yeah. do errands and go to work and that's basically right. it. You know, uh, yeah. would I like a better car? Yeah, sure. Something for me, like I know there's like a big car collecting market and stuff. I'm more of a toy guy. Right. I collect vintage toys and you know drum sets and stuff like that. I'm not definitely never. If I had twenty million dollars right now, I'd probably be driving the same car. It wouldn't matter to me. Right on. Okay. Speaking of toys, I, I, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Mr. John Kibble, told me he thinks he's a bigger comic book fan than you are. <laughs> now, <laughs> this is where you might have to end the interview because Kibble. <laughs> you know Kibble, he knows nothing about Calabar. I know. When you see him, yeah. and when he listens to this, which he probably will and comment uh, badly on it, he knows nothing about comic books. He's a pure DC guy, and when you talk to him, you can really tell right. he has no idea what he's talking about. Really, really clueless when it comes to comics. If you want to talk comics, talk to me. I actually just, I'm a huge, huge comic book buff. I actually just sold a giant chunk of my collection. I had... I had basically full runs of Avengers, Fantastic Four, Hulk, and Spider-Man. I actually kept all my Avengers. I was a huge Avengers fan when I was a kid. Wow. I still have every, I have every issue of Avengers ever. Wow. Uh, but I just I just sold the first 25 Spider-Mans, the first 25 Incredible Hulks, and the first 25 Fantastic Fours. Just sold them uh, two years ago. So speaking of $20 million, now you have it. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. It, it gave me a nice penny <laughs> in my pocket. Yeah, it was nice. I had two kids. It was time to uh, part with some of my collection and uh, jumpstart the family. I gotcha. Right on. Yeah. So now comics you also got involved with a comic too correct yeah so I'm, right so obviously i'm a huge comic book buff so i want a dream of mine I've, I've always wanted to own and write and create my own comic book and their own and my own character so a buddy of mine we've been writing this story you know just briefly for a couple of years just kind of going back and forth together about this this uh different worlds with like these crossbreed animals it's like a fantasy it's almost like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles meets Star Wars is the best way to describe it it's it's about this uh, other galaxy where the crossbreed animals live in this kingdom and it's how this evil lord tries to basically extinguish them from the uh, from the galaxy it's a great comic book it's called The Chicken Monkeys you can get it on Comicsology right now you can download any uh for any digital platform you can get a digital copy or you can just message me directly I have some hard copies right now hopefully the hard copies will be available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble hopefully by the end of the summer I'm trying to get it up it's just a long process to get it up and running in the stores there but I do have them available personally so you can message me on Facebook Joey Casada, facebook.com slash Joey Casada, or you can just like I said download the digital copy off of Comicsology. it's a fun comic it's uh, all ages um um, it's, it, again, like a little Lord of the Rings type, you know, fantasy, cool, you know, but still kid-friendly. So do you do the artwork, too, or do you just write it? 
<laughs> no, it's, I just we just write it and create it, and I have an, uh, we hire we hire a freelance artist to to draw it. It's, it's a cool, and it's really cool artwork too. It has like this old school painting style. It's not like the typical superhero artwork. It's more of like a fantasy painting, like a like the fantasy artwork, like the Franzetta and oh, Franzetta okay. and. Uh, that type of stuff, more of that type of artwork than it is a comic comic book superhero artwork. So it's it's a fun read. Nice. Okay. So going back to the musicians, dead or alive, that Eric Carr, rest in peace. I was very fortunate and blessed to know him for, for many years. Um, he was the second Kiss member I met. I first met Gene, then I met him, then I met Ace, and then I met Paul at that show at the Palladium, July twenty fifth, which changed my life and made me the Kiss nut that I am today. Uh, musicians, dead or alive, if you had a choice to play with. Who would it be? I mean, listen, again, going back to Eric Carr, Eric Carr's unfortunately the only Kiss member that I've never met. Really? Because, yeah, because again, he was, uh, he passed in 91, I believe. Yeah, November so I was still young, I was still, you know, I was, I was playing in bands already, but I was, you know, I was young, I couldn't, I never got a chance to meet them at that point in my life, in my career. I would, there was no such thing as meet and greets back then, you know what I mean? I definitely would have sprang for meet and greets back then to meet all those guys, but there was no such thing back then. The rock stars were on a different level back then. You couldn't just meet them. And I didn't have the wherewithal, really, to, to hang out, you know, in the parking lot and all this other stuff, like I said, living in Manhattan. Right. It, it was hard to just hang outside Madison Square Garden and hope to find a rock star, you know what I mean? So... I think Eric Carr, going back to the same the same old question, I would love to sit with Eric Carr and jam with him and play with him and be, it would be it would be great. Speaking of Eric, I don't know if you know this too, I'm working with Eric's sister Loretta right now on Eric's creation called the Rocket. Really? And I don't know if you know the story of the Rocket. Eric was an amazing artist and cartoonist. Yeah. And Eric came up with this concept of this rock little kid rock band called the Rockhead and he was working on it back in the late 80s and he actually almost got it picked up by Hanna-Barbera and unfortunately before everything you know got going Eric got sick and he passed away and years later I'm actually developing this other cartoon uh, with Gilbert Gottfried and I've been developing this for a long time it's online and stuff like that called Victor and Eric Carr's family actually saw this and saw that I was into animation development and stuff like that and contacted me and wanted to see if there was any way that I could bring the rockhead to life wow and sure, sure enough Loretta and I basically came up with this whole new concept we kind of did a nice like a Scooby-Doo twist on the Rockheads and it became this rock band and this mystery you know magical mystery type thing and we did an animated short you, again you can check it out on YouTube or on the Rockheads Facebook page just type in Rockheads and you'll, you'll find it the, the, the link will come up and if you can if you post this anywhere too please conclude the link to the Rockheads it, it's a great little animation piece we're shopping into network right now we're getting a lot of great responses um Hopefully you'll see the Rockhead, you know, on Nickelodeon or Netflix in a year or so. That'd be awesome. Now, are you doing the voice as well, or? Hopefully, I'm doing some of the voices. Uh, I'm mostly writing and directing it. Um, yeah. Loretta is writing also with me and producing it, and she does some of the voices. We have some other voices because again, of course, they're a kids' rock band. My voice is a little deep for it, so right. um, I'll probably do some secondary characters, but. Right now, I'm just writing and directing it, and we're writing some music for it, and we have, you know, a lot of great stars 
involved in it. Bruce Kulik is involved in it still. And we have a lot of calls out to a lot of other big um, pop stars that we're trying to get involved in the show. It, it, it looks like it's, it looks like it's going to take off. It's going to be a lot of fun. Nice. All right. So if you didn't yeah, become... like, like you said when I first started, I'm all over the place. I'm, I'm running. Around. I know we've been trying to do this interview for weeks. Yeah. As you can see, I'm a, I run around with like a chicken without a head. I I, uh, I have a lot of projects going on, and uh, I'm always busy. That's great, though. So if you didn't become a professional musician and everything, and didn't do the comic, like what kind of work would you be doing? Like. Jesus, that's a great question. I mean, again, being five years old when I started playing drums when I saw Kiss, right? It's, there's nothing else I've ever thought about doing. The only thing that came close, and this ties into another project that I'm doing, when I was young, when I was probably nine years old, I got introduced to professional wrestling. Okay. And that became an obsession for me when I was young. And when I was a kid, I was a very, very large kid. Bigger than I was, you know, double the size of all my friends as far as height and weight and just strength and everything. For some reason, when I, from the ages of seven to 12, I was a giant. So everyone thought that I was going to be this six foot seven giant, you know, monster kid. And wrestling just worked out perfect for me because I was obsessed with wrestling. I used to go to Madison Square Garden every month. I saw Hulk Hogan win the title for the first time in 1984. Me too. I saw, you know, all those matches. I went to the garden every month for almost two years. My mom would take me. Awesome. And I became obsessed with professional wrestling. So again, I wanted to become a professional wrestler at that time too. Drums and wrestling was like my life. I had a big house in Brooklyn and I had two rooms. I had my bedroom dedicated to my drums and kiss okay. and I had a giant empty room dedicated to wrestling with wrestling back in the room that me and my friends would put on our own wrestling matches and we would call it Madison Square Room. Right on. <laughs> it was just a crazy time. We'd go and, you know, we would put on battle royals in the room and to win the battle royal you'd literally have to throw each other out of the room. <laughs> so it so, was a great time. But unfortunately at the age of 12, I, ba I was basically the size I am now, just about six feet right. from the age of 11 on. I never grew again. From about sixth, seventh grade, I just stopped growing. But picture, you know, picture a kid in fifth, sixth grade, six feet tall, 165, 175 pounds. Damn. He's a monster. No you know what I mean? Absolutely. But then all my friends just started to catch up to me, so the wrestling dream slowly became <laughs> gone. <laughs> and, you know, dr drums took over again. But again, that goes into another project I'm working on called Wrestling with Joey Licious. Right on. I was just about to ask you, what was your wrestling name? <laughs> of course, Joey Licious, right? right so, um, growing up, I always did this character called Joey Licious. I would always, that was always my name as a wrestler. Even growing up, like, when I used to go to bars, like in my 20s and my 30s, I would go to a bar and wear, like, boas and my championship belt and beat this character, Joey Licious. And, you know, I'd goof around with my friends and wrestle with my friends at the bar. It was, it was I was always this character. And then when we did the show Z-Rock, right. there was an episode dedicated to professional wrestling that Chris Jericho was the guest star on. Right on. And in that show, the original script called for us to dress as, you know, like Hulk Hogan and Macho Man and Ultimate Warrior. 
but I had this great idea that we should do our own characters and come up with our own uh, wrestling personas. And of course, I had mine already since I was, you know, nine years old, Joey Licious. Right. And the other two guys created their own characters. I think DZ was Chip and Dave, like a Chippendale dancer, and Paulie <laughs> was uh, Pulled Pork Paulie. <laughs> like a guy that used to love pork. <laughs> nice. The nice Jewish guy that he is. <laughs> so from from Xerox, this character Joey Licious, it was like one of the biggest rated, the highest rated shows, um, highest rated episodes of Xerox, which which was the wrestling episode. From that, once Xerox ended, you know, I started writing this other show. Not so much a spinoff, of course, because Joey Licious is my character, um, but a, its own show called Wrestling with Joey Licious. And what it really is, it's about basically about my life story. It's about this kid that grew up a giant wrestling fan. He was a giant as a kid. He was going to be the biggest wrestler in the world, but again, he stopped growing. <laughs> but the only twist is he didn't give up his, on his dream like I did. He kept going with his dream and, you know, he started wrestling in the indie scenes and he just never was good, of course. He was never good enough to make it. He was always a little bit out of shape or just a little bit undersized and he just never was good enough, but he's still 40 years old, living with his mom, wrestling one, you know, one match a week making 50 bucks and he's still living his dream and the twist of the show is throughout the course of, the, of each episode wrestlers from the 80s appear to him in his imagination Quite to on. give him advice to give him advice throughout his life to try to help him along and of course it always backfires they always give him the wrong advice <laughs> so I have guys like the Iron Sheik and um, we had Roddy Piper and the late Jimmy, Jimmy Snooker on board they both passed away we actually filmed with them already yeah. I have Hulk Hogan I have Ric Flair I have King Kong Bundy I have you know Honky Tonk Man Tito Santana everyone you can think of from the 80s on board with this show so right now between you and I and everyone that's looking to this we're just about signed with this major deal right now that we're looking to have this starting to begin pre-production in September so that's awesome again like, like all my other projects hopefully you'll see Joey Licious on on air in January if not next summer that's awesome and speaking of like your 80s heroes of wrestlers who is your favorite wrestler I mean again like I, like I said this whole story Hulk Hogan once I saw my my first hero was Jimmy Snooker okay. and that's the, actually the first guy that I got involved with Joey Licious he was the first guy that I, got, I reached out to and got on board with Joey Licious and he's the first guy I filmed with and he was absolutely incredible he was still the superstar he was back then he still was today right. Jimmy Snooker when I first saw him jump off the top rope that's what got me hooked into wrestling gotcha. but then once Hulk Hogan came onto the scene he became my new obsession so Hulk Hogan was always my my guy you know throughout the 80s and then even in the 90s when he became Hollywood Hogan he turned bad he got me hooked back on wrestling again so Hogan was always my obsession nice Anyway. How about you? Any, were you a wrestling fan? I definitely am a big wrestling fan. I, I I did go to the same match that you did when Hulk won against the Iron Sheik. Um, oh, you're kidding. That was, that's amazing. I was there. 
My first match that I ever saw live was two months before that. I saw Backlund versus Mass Superstar. Oh, really? Then I saw Backlund lose against the Sheik, and then I saw Hogan beat the Sheik. Yeah, so that was my... Who was your favorite growing up? Well, I would have to say, growing up, I also was a big fan. Uh, I liked The Undertaker. I liked The Ultimate Warrior, just because their energy. I just liked The Undertaker because he was like just so dark, and you know, the Paul Bearer was just a, hysterical. Sure. And then, of course, you know, and then um, I liked Rick Rude because he was just arrogant and whatever you know and then Jake the Snake I had a, a garter snake growing up as a kid and I named him Jake the Snake um, and then I had a Jake, Jake, Jake is also on board with Joey Richard we have a great team we actually were supposed to, Jake we were supposed to film with two or three times and scheduling we just keep missing each other so wow. you'll see a great team with Jake coming up awesome and then uh, then I grew up with one of my dearest friends was uh, married to Balls Mahoney going back a little later sure. in the days and you know and my sons I'm proud papa of two little monsters that love wrestling so we wrestle all the time and they kick my ass they're nine and six and they're like tag team dead and they definitely you know do it and you know the, the, the wrestlers today don't get me wrong there is a couple that are still out there that are from our generation that are still doing it but some of the guys today I think they're not doing it like our guys just like Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and all these like you right. said Snooker they had something that these guys don't they just go out and wrestle they, there's no really storyline or nothing to build character about so I don't know I still enjoy watching it I, I hate to sound like that, that the old guys that say well back in my day yeah exactly <laughs> but you know same thing with music I mean listen Obviously, you can't judge the generation today fairly right. because everything we grew up with made an impact on us because we were kids and we had a certain mentality and a certain vision of these bigger than life characters that, you know, made an impression on us. So when we saw these guys, it was different. You can't go see a band today being our age and being our, you know, generation and what we've grown up on and me being a musician and play with all these other bands. You can't go see a new band today and have that same feeling that when you saw Kiss at the Palladium or when I saw Kiss at Madison Square Garden. And I think it's the same thing with the wrestlers. You can't go to Madison Square Garden or turn on Monday Night Raw right. and watch, you know, watch someone like, uh, oh, I don't know, Roman Reigns and get that same feeling that you had from Snooker or Hogan back in the day. Not that Reigns is, is this character that's bad, it's just we'll, we'll never feel that way again because we're, we're a different age. Absolutely. So today, I think they do feel what we felt back then from bands and from wrestlers. I think it's just a different generation. It's different, it's, it's not the same. Just like our parents had the Beatles and Elvis, they felt a certain way when they saw Elvis they went ballistic and right. they saw Kiss when they saw Kiss they were like what the hell is this how could you guys like this this is not Elvis this is not the Beatles so I think each generation has their own thing and I think being a kid and when you're the most influenced in your life is really that is what makes you a fan of something I 100% agree with you I can definitely see that now speaking of all these musicians and celebrity wrestlers that you dealt with um, with working with them. Have you ever been starstruck? Well, 
even slightly starstruck. And I don't know why I don't get starstruck. I think the reason why I don't get starstruck is because if I was a kid meeting all these wrestlers and all these musicians, I think I would be starstruck. But because I'm in the music industry and I'm striving to become a great rock drummer and a great musician and a you know great actor in this wrestling show myself, I try to make them more my peers than I make them my heroes now. So it's, I try to... It's not even consciously, I think. I think, you know, I try to, to put myself on the same level as them. So I, I'm working with them and I'm working around them. So it, it's not so much that I get starstruck. Don't get me wrong. I love being around all these guys and learning from them and playing with them and and jamming with them and opening up for them. And, and it's incredible. Even working with all these wrestlers on Joey Licious was an incredible experience. But, for instance, when we filmed with Roddy Piper, Roddy Piper was one of my favorite wrestlers growing up, but, you know, I talked to him on the phone for two months setting up this shoot and writing the script with him and, and conversing with him as peers right. way before I got to meet him and become a fan. So I was his peer and working with him and, and almost his boss because I was hiring him to do something. So it was, it was on this other level. So the only time that I was a little bit starstruck which was actually a surprise I was in a Kiss tribute band back in the early 2000s called Kiss Nation I'm not sure if you knew them they were a local yeah. band and we did the Creatures of the Night era I was Eric Carr of course right so we actually filmed a pilot show for VH1 called Mock Rock yes I do remember yeah. doing that show Right, it never aired, but it is on YouTube now. Um, you can just type in VH1 Mock Rock and it'll come up. Or you can go to my YouTube page, it's Joey Costada Videos okay. on YouTube. So all that stuff is on there. And all this, you know, Xerox stuff and Joey Licious stuff is all on there, so you can check it all out. And so we filmed this episode of Mock Rock. And it was about, you know, a kid's tribute band and showing us put on the makeup and the costumes and how we bought the costumes and built the costumes and all this stuff. So at the end of the episode, VH1 flew us out to LA. Right. To do a private show for basically the network. Okay. And that's what we thought we were doing anyway. We, we did a private show at the Whiskey A Go Go on Sunset Strip to do, for VH1. And during the course of the show, a spotlight spot, uh, shined on the balcony, and Gene and Paul were watching us from the balcony. Right on. And the, the whole twist of the show was the end of the episode and the end of every episode of the series was going to be the, the tribute band that you were paying tribute to was going to be there watching you perform their songs and in their makeup and, you know, their costumes. So Gene and Paul basically watched us play. It was the first time that I was ever a little taken back because it wasn't even so much that I was meeting them and we did get to meet them and talk to them and hang out with them, you know, for a couple hours after. It was more that... They were watching me play, and they were, you know, judging how I was drumming, which was incredible to me because, you know, my whole life I grew up wanting to be, you know, the drummer for Kiss. I hear you. And I was sitting there watching Gene and Paul watch me play their songs. I hear you. It was just, it was, that was the only time I think I was a little starstruck because it was, it was, it was sudden and it was a surprise, and it was kind of they were standing above me judging me. It was, it was a great experience. Awesome. All right. Uh, a lot of fun. That is. That sounds like a lot of fun. 
Oh man, it was incredible. It really was. I mean, you again, you can watch the episode of Mock Rock on, on YouTube. It, it's it was so much fun to do. And and in in a weird way, that kind of got me the job with ZO2 in a roundabout way. It, uh, so, like I said, the manager of ZO2 at the time was was friendly with Paul Stanley, and later on, you know, this a couple of years later when I started playing with ZO2, he actually mentioned to Paul Stanley, "Hey, I'm you know like, we're working with this drummer. He was in that Kiss tribute band, Kiss Nation, that you saw play for VH1. What did you think of him?" And Paul actually gave me a glowing review. It said that guy's incredible. He did all the parts. You know, all Eric Carr's parts perfect. He sings like Eric. You should grab him while you can. And that, you know, in a weird way, solidified me inside ZO2. Damn. Yeah, crazy, right? Wow, you get an endorsement by Paul Stanley. You know, that's <laughs> rock royalty. You know, that's Godspell to most people. Absolutely. And everything, like I said, everything ties back to Kiss one way or another. Somehow, it all gets back to Kiss. Even when I'm, I'm dead, I'm sure I'll be buried in a Kiss coffin. So it'll, all, it'll begin with Kiss and end with Kiss. Right, I hear you. Well, I always tell everybody, you know, I'm not just a fan. I'm the fan club president because I did for many years. And people would just be like, you're obsessed. I'm like, yeah, I was born and raised Jewish. I, I had a bar mitzvah, but I'm like, my religion's kiss, all about it. But, you know, right. I've grown up since then and matured and, you know, expand my horizons on music such as yours and everybody else. So, uh, right, same way, same way. Yeah. Kiss was everything back then. But, you know, then you grow up, you expand your horizon, you learn about the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and the Stones and, and the Who and, and exactly. you start to learn other things and appreciate other things but it still all goes back to Kiss and I think it's so weird because I find most Kiss fanatics like myself and yourself are also tied in with that whole comic book world and or the wrestling world I think yes. those worlds not so much rock music, but the Kiss rock music. Yes. They all tie together those three universes because it's this visual sensation. It's this, you know, when I saw Kiss the first time, I don't think it was the music that hooked me. Of course, the music is what kept me there. But when I saw Kiss that first time with explosions and Gene flying, it, I was already reading comic books. So it tied into that whole comic book world. And then the same thing with the wrestlers. The wrestlers had this over-the-top personality, this, this bigger-than-life personality. And again, even with wrestling, I don't think wrestling is what got me hooked on professional wrestling. I think it was the interviews and and the, the segments, you know, Piper's Pit and hitting with Snooker with the coconut. All that stuff got me hooked on wrestling, not the actual wrestling. Right. So I think all those worlds just tied together because they're, they're all just bigger than life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, larger than life, no pun intended. Right. So... <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So, what do you do on your free time when you're not doing all these projects? You know, do you garden, you bake, you cook, you know? Yeah, actually, I, uh, like I said, I have two kids now. Right on. I have, an eight, I have a beautiful wife, I have an eight-year-old, and I have a three-year-old. Keep me super, super busy. Um, I moved out to New Jersey a few years ago. Once I had my second kid, it was just time to get out of the city. It was just overcrowding and just, I couldn't take any more. I needed some property. I needed some, I needed a pool. I needed, I needed everything. So we went out to Jersey. Um, so that keeps me busy. I love my house. I do, of course, I do a lot of gardening. It's so funny that you mentioned that. Garden everything, plant everything myself. Um, take care of the property, you know, take care of the pool. Right on. Run with the kids, take the kids 
to the playground. Nothing, nothing better than sitting playing with my kids all day long. I love it more than anything in the world. And, and the life that I that I that I chose to live kind of you know warrants me to do that more because I don't have the typical nine to five job. I, I do work at night and I do you know gig and studio and write and do all this other stuff. So it opens up a lot of free time for me to take the kids to school, pick them up from school, you know, be, you know, be dad all day long and stuff like that, you know, give them baths and play in the pool with them and play, you know, wiffle ball with them and football and everything that I can do to spend every waking minute I have with them. And then I go off and, you know, I, I'll do some weekend games with Eric or I'll do Jim Brewer or, you know, <laughs> I'll do some Broadway shows. So it, it, I'm busy at night, but it keeps me freed up during the day. It's, 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 it's the perfect life. Nice. So, like uh, bands of today who's your favorite band that you listen to today that you would have to say I, we talked about all the bands of yesterday but there is some bands out there today that are pretty strong is there like one band that you'd be like that you I mean, have seen I know the, pop, the popular thing to say and I, and I do love them also Greta Van Fleet is, is killing it right now I think I love those guys right on um, I, heard, I heard about them right as they were coming on on the scene I think I think Portnoy turned me on to them. Uh, I'm good buddies with Portnoy. He's always introducing me to new stuff and posting about new stuff. I think it's got to be almost a year and a half ago now that he first introduced me to those guys. But not so much that they're a new band again, but it's going to get back to Kiss. I don't know if you've heard something called Classic Kiss. Have you heard that? No. Classic 78 is actually called, not Classic Kiss. Oh, okay. It's called Classic 78, and what it is, is it's an original band. It's not a tribute band in any way, shape, or form. It's not cover songs in any way, shape, or form. It's actual an actual band, okay. and what they do is they recreate the vibe and the sound of classic Kiss from the 70s. Wow. And let me, let me tell you something. It is, it's all I listen to right now. I know, I, maybe I'm old school, I don't love new bands. This is technically a new band, and I absolutely love it. It's, they released their first EP, okay. and it basically, I think the, what, the, what the concept of it was, what if Kiss, instead of just releasing Side 4 of Alive 2, huh. what if they released a whole new album before the solo albums? Really? And the first, the first EP they did was basically the second side of what Alive Two would be that, that you know side four. Yeah. So it's like a, to finish that album. Wow. And let me tell you something. It's you can't believe what these guys sound. They captured Kiss so perfectly from Paul Stanley's vocals to Gene's vocals to Ace's vocals to their playing style to the recording to Peter's drum work, which is again like I talked about earlier, very hard to replicate. You gotta check these guys out. Classic seventy eight. They just released a second EP which actually makes a full length album now. So there's actually a full length classic seventies kiss album out there that you've never heard. Dude, you gotta check it out. It's unbelievable. Okay. Well that was my first album was Kiss Alive Two. My brother gave it to me. And when I heard Any Way You Wanted When I heard Any Way You Wanted, that's what got me hooked, even though it's not a Kiss original song I was just like wow and I'm like four and a half five years old I'm just like wow these guys are really good you know and that's got me you know hook line and well, sinker like I said if you love that you gotta check this classic 78 out they're on Facebook they're online you can buy hard copies from them you could uh 
stream it, I think. You can buy it on, on uh, iTunes. It's incredible. You will love it. And by the way, Alive 2, if I start to cut you off, Alive 2 is 100% my favorite album of all time. Right on. Okay. Uh, so any advice for new bands today? Yeah, I think, I mean, listen, I, I took the long route. I played in hundreds of bands, and maybe, maybe not hundreds, but dozens and dozens of bands and hundreds of different musicians. I think what you have to do is always keep true to what you like to do. Um, you have to play music because you love it. You have to play music because you get a certain feeling from it when you play it and when you're playing it live on stage. If you don't get that vibe that you get on stage that, you know, gives you chills and gives you goosebumps, you're probably not in the, the right business. You probably shouldn't be doing this for a living. It's something you have to love to do with all your all your passion. And I think that goes for anything you do in life. It doesn't have to be a musician. I think this is advice for anyone. Anything you do, you have to do it all out or it doesn't pay to do it don't do it then if you don't love it don't do it because you're not going to get to the, the height and the peak of what you can do unless you really love what you're doing because then you're just doing it as work and I, and I get it everyone has to work to make a living I totally get it don't get me wrong and it's one in a million that you get a chance to do what you love for a living but if you love something do it all out and give it give it its all but if, if you're finding yourself struggling that you don't really love it that much anymore Quit. Don't do it because you just, you know, want to keep up the farce that you're a musician or you're whatever you're doing, you're a basketball player, whatever you want to do. Just do it because you love it and then great things will follow. Right on. Okay. And now since you're an Italian guy from Brooklyn, I have to ask, <laughs> is it sauce, is it ragu, or is it gravy? Well, growing up, it was always gravy. Okay. Growing up, my mother always called it gravy. My grandmother always called it gravy. As I get older, I, I think just because I'm not around my family as much and them as much because they've passed, but everyone else calls it sauce. Any, any other Italians, my wife is Italian, so everyone else that I'm around calls it sauce. So I've just gravitated the sauce now. It was always gravy. Ragu, never. We would never ever refer to it as ragu. That means you're, you're eating jarred sauce and that's probably because you're Irish. So. <laughs> right. But, uh, <laughs> either gravy or sauce works. I prefer gravy, but like I said, as I'm getting older, I probably call it sauce more than ever. Right on. What about you? Uh, well, I'm not Italian descent, but I grew up and I, and a long time ago as a kid, like in high school, I dated a girl, her parents and great and her grandparents were right off the boat and they would call it gravy and then I, I spoke to uh, John Reagan the bass player at Freely's Comet and Four by Fate and everything he's like Psycho it's Ragu I'm like no Ragu's a bottle that's what I think of when I think he calls it Ragu that's what he said because that's what it means it means sauce in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's just like, it's a slang term for sauce. And I'm like, okay. And, you know, a lot of other people said ragu, and I got it from everybody. I'm just like, I don't know, it's pasta sauce. I don't know. You know? Yeah, I mean, being, being a, I guess, I mean, obviously, I grew up in America. My, my grandparents were both from Italy, but right. I grew up in America, and I associate the word ragu with the jarred sauce. Yeah, so do That's I. Why I said it. You know, Regan probably knows more than me. He's, he's full Italian, I think, so yeah. I think, I think he, he probably refers it back to, you know, the Italian word ragu, so. Yes. You know, I'm listening. I retract my uh, fence of ragu. <laughs> no, it's all good. All right. So, 
plug time. What can we plug for Joey? Let's let everybody know as far as in website, if you're coming out with your own pasta sauce or ragu or gravy, <laughs> you know, what can we tell people how to find you, keep in touch with you? Will you respond besides to me annoying the hell out of you to get you on here? Um, without giving your address and your phone number, how can people get in touch with you? The best place to always reach me is via Facebook. My Facebook page, facebook.com slash Joey Casada. Um, I'm always posting where I am, who I'm performing with, what I'm performing, what I'm selling, what new products I have, whether it's my, my comic book that just came out, clips of uh, wrestling with Joey Vicious are up there. Um, I just finished my autobiography, which will hopefully be out next year. That'll be up there. Uh, most of the stuff is available on Amazon and other links, but you can always find, the home to find me is always facebook.com slash Joey Casada. I'm also on Twitter. Please follow me on Twitter at Joey Casada. Same thing with Instagram at Joey Casada. My, my YouTube account, you can go to YouTube, look at all clips of everything that we've talked about today from ZO2 to Z-Rock to Kiss Nation Mock Rock to stuff with Eric Martin to stuff with me on Broadway doing the Great Comet, all that type of stuff on YouTube at Joey Casada Videos. Awesome. Those are all the links. Again, all my links are also on my Facebook page, so I know it's hard to write all this stuff down. Just go to the Facebook page, all the links are there, you just follow them right through there. Right on. Okay. Well, I just wanted to say thank you on behalf of me, not just being a fan and a friend of yours, but just thank you for taking the time. I know, like you said, you've been super busy with the kids thing, with the whole comic and music thing. Uh, we definitely want to come and check you out. Uh, the Chick and I would love to see you guys perform either with Eric Martin or come and see you uh, with Brewer. I have a lot of dates with Eric Martin in August. We're over at the New England Rock Fest on uh, August 17th, I believe, with Firehouse. We're at, you know, we're in Detroit the next weekend, 24th, 25th. You know, we're all over the place. Just check the calendars. You can go to ericmartin.com for all those dates, or you can check, like I said, my Facebook page. I'll always be playing around, so you'll be able to find me. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much once again. I really, truly appreciate it. Awesome, dude. Great time. Thanks for everything. You too. You it, bro. Take care. Have a good day. Right, Thanks. Later. Later. You too. Psycho Steve presents. You can hear more from Psycho Steve on Hair Today on Tomorrow every Wednesday on iTunes and SoundCloud. The interview sessions are also on YouTube. Get your merch at zazzle.com backslash Psycho Steve presents Hair Today Gone Tomorrow. Follow Psycho Steve on all social media platforms. Facebook at Psycho Steve Rocks. Instagram at the underscore real underscore psycho underscore Steve. Twitter at Real Psycho Steve. For requests or dedications or if you're in a band and want us to play your music or be interviewed or for advertising inquiries, email us at psychostevepresents at gmail.com. Psycho Steve Presents Hair Today Gone Tomorrow is brought to you by Pearlswag Enterprises, LLC. Please join Psycho Steve every Wednesday and Friday here on 